What's up? You guys sound good. Well, welcome to Red Rocks Church. Let's say hi to everybody. What's up, Littleton, Lakewood, Evergreen, Arvada, Brussels, Belgium. We love you guys. We're so glad that you're part of the family. Littleton, can you help me and say hi to Brussels? We love you so much. And uh, a special hello to both God Behind Bars campuses, our men and women's campuses. We love you both. Ladies, I want to say something special to you at the Denver Women's Correctional Facility. For the first time today, uh, Kalena and Holly, who have been going to God Behind Bars with a bunch of you, they've been going to that God Behind Bars for four years. Today, they were here at Red Rocks Church with us in person together for the very first time. We're so proud of them. And they say hi to all of you uh, at God Behind Bars today. If you're visiting with us, no matter what location you're at, we're glad you're here. We're, we're, we're imperfect people who love to get together and, and pursue and worship and experience the presence of a perfect God. And what we know is that we're all broken, right? We're just all broken differently. And, and so no matter what you've got going on in your life, we want you to feel welcome here. We want you to feel loved and accepted and valued. We've been praying for you to come here. And so from the bottom of our hearts to all of you who are visiting, welcome home and welcome to Red Rocks Church. Um, yeah, go for it. I like the spirit. We're starting this new teaching series today called Fearless, mostly because the creative team said you cannot do freestyle anymore. You have to change. And so I said, okay. So we're doing a new teaching series today called Fearless. And I'm, I'm actually very excited about it. Um, before we start reading, there's one thing I, I wanted to get out of the way. Some of you may have already noticed it. Some of you may during the message. And it was just starting to mess with my head. And I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm like, I got to talk about this, okay? Um, and not the fact that it's absurd. That's, I do you, okay? I do you. Let me do me. But... I, I didn't know this when I bought the t-shirt. It says scotch across the bottom. And I didn't know because of everything else going on. You know what I mean? And so I didn't even see it. So I put it on uh, today and I was like, oh. And I said, I was talking to my wife and I was like, babe, can I, can I preach in a shirt that says scotch? And she's like, she goes, mm-mm. No. I'm like, why? She goes, because it might be a little distracting might make people think you're like pushing drinking. I'm like, babe, I work with Chad. Maybe I am. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I said, Jill, I said, that's not even what it's about. That's like the name of the store that it came from. And she's like, well, then you have to explain that. So it doesn't, it's not distracting. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to explain it because I'm fearless. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not. <laughs> You ever spent time around someone who is fearless, though? And, and you, you kind of want that to rub off on you. You know what I mean? Like, you ever spent time around someone who's just, man, they just, they go for it, and they're fearless, and they're, maybe there's something off, but they're still, they go for it. And you're like, I wish I was more like that. You know what I'm talking about? I remember the first time I saw one of my peers do something that in my mind was just fearless. And I remember thinking like, oh, I wish I was like that. I was 17 years old, and like every 17-year-old, I knew everything in the world, and I knew so much more than my parents, I actually pitied them. And I was at a friend's house, it was like a Friday, I think it was a Friday afternoon, I'm at a friend's house, there's about 10 or 15 people at the house, 
And um, we were all from the same high school. We went to Northwest High School in Wichita, Kansas. Hold the applause. Hold it. I know you wanted to let loose. Hold it. Northwest High School in Wichita, Kansas. And um, these two guys come walking up to the house, and they do not go to our high school. They go to our enemy high school, Cape and Mount Carmel. And I was walking outside by myself to get something out of my car. I don't know what I was doing. And, and all of a sudden, like without even thinking, I said something like real cute, like, you lost? <laughs> and the second it came out, I, I, it hit me like you're by yourself. Shut up, right? And they were like, you say something? And I was like, no, 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 no. I, I thought I heard, so I'm as confused as you are. No, welcome. Come on in. And it got, it got ugly inside, and so all of a sudden, a fight's about to break out. And, you know, we thought we were pretty gangsta, but the truth is, if you live in a suburb on the northwest side of Wichita, Kansas, like, you're not really known for your toughness, okay? <laughs> and so, so, so they're like, well, we're going to meet you at the baseball diamond. And we were like, yeah, we are. And so they made some calls, and we made some calls, and we just, whoo, to the baseball diamond. And we get out to the... If you're visiting, yes, we're a youth group for adults, okay? <laughs> so, so we're at the baseball diamond, and, like, we didn't really know what to do because, again, northwest suburb of Wichita, Kansas. So nobody was, like, really initiating. We were just kind of staring. Like, they were over there, and we were over here, and there was just a lot of, a lot of this, you know what I mean? And, and all of a sudden, this guy on the other side of the baseball diamond goes, no, we're not doing the group fight thing. I want you. And I was like, like, who do you know? Terry, he wants you. I don't know, man. Trey, get him. Uh. And he's like, no, 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 you. And I was like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I didn't plan on actually fighting anyone here. Like, again, northwest suburb of Wichita, okay? And so one of the most scary things that I'd ever done, I step into the middle of the circle. And I'm just like, I don't even know what to do now. Like, do I lead off with a, like a punch, a kick, a huh? Like, I've never been in this situation. Like, I don't know where to start. And, and, and oh, I was so scared. And we, like, stared at each other for a long time. And then all of a sudden, the cavalry shows up. Dick Holt pulls up. And he was a year younger than us. But he pulls up, and he gets out of the car, and he walks right into the middle of the circle and looks at everybody from Cape and Mount Carmel, this whole group of high school kids, and he goes, which three of you want me? I started to tear up. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and he was so B.A., best attitude, that <laughs> nobody said a word. And they all end up leaving. And now I'm like behind Dick Holt, like looking over his shoulder. I'm like, yeah, suckers, take the walk. <laughs> you better walk. Yeah. Yeah, what's up, boys? What's up? <laughs> Fearless. Made me want to be like a better human just watching him. Have you ever, rough transition to spiritual stuff, have you ever <laughs> in life, though, for real, watched somebody go through crazy circumstances, but they don't do that thing that we tend to do, which is feel real sorry for ourselves and tell everybody around us how bad off we are, but, but you watch them go through it like with a smile, with their, with their head held high, with some sort of trust in God that you can't quite wrap your mind around? Like, how do they do that? How do they walk through that? 
You ever, you ever see that? You ever watch somebody so just like ferociously pursue what they think God's calling them to do, even though things aren't working out and even though it looks impossible and you watch it and you go, I don't know if that's smart or not, but I wish I was more like that. You ever feel that? I think we all do a little bit. I think we crave it just a little bit. We want to be fearless when it comes to chasing down the plans God has for us. I think it's how he hardwired us. His word says he did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And I think we want to fearlessly chase down the calling that God has put on our lives. And, and sometimes we find ourselves doing it. And other times I think we find ourselves wishing we would do it. There's a theme verse that we're going we're gonna to keep referencing throughout this series. And it's, it's Joshua 1.9. And it says this, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I believe that's for some of you right now. I believe God wants to say that to some of you today. You don't have to be afraid. I know things don't look right. And I know things are scary right now and they don't make sense and you don't know, you feel like there's a tornado going on in your life and you don't know how things are going to land and you don't know how this is going to play out, but you don't have to be afraid because the creator of the universe says, I'm going with you every step of the way. And, and he, he's saying this to a guy named Joshua and we're going to look at Joshua's life and story throughout this series. So I want to challenge you right up top, just start reading the book of Joshua through and through throughout this series, and then we'll get together on the weekends and zoom in on parts of it, and I think it'll be something that we'll all look back on and go, that was the beginning of some big things for me. That's the hope. That's my prayer. But God says to Joshua right up top, do not be afraid, and he says it over and over and over. That's what you're going to see if you start reading this book, and it, he says it over and over and over because, because Joshua was afraid, and so he kept having to go back and go, no, 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 don't be afraid. I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. That's how I've created you. I want you to live fearlessly. And, and as I've been studying this book, what I've, what I've began to understand is he wasn't telling Joshua to like magically get rid of all his emotions. He wasn't saying you can't feel nervous. Don't feel afraid. Don't feel anxious. Don't feel confused. Because he was. Because what we're going to see is he's being called to some crazy things, some huge things. More than that, I believe God was saying to Joshua, it's okay to feel emotions. Just don't let them cause you to quit. Just don't walk away. Just keep moving forward. You can feel afraid and walk forward in faith and fearless at the same time. You can feel afraid and walk forward in faith and fearlessly at the same time. We can do that. And I believe that's what God is beginning to teach Joshua. And I think it's what he's going to help us begin to understand in this series. If you have a Bible, flip open to Joshua 1. We're going to read a chunk of that today. I know that we have a, sort of a setup here where you don't, you don't really need to bring your Bible and, and I almost kind of think a lot of times, like, why would you, right? Because everything is up on the screen, so you, you kind of don't need to have anything in your hands to reference. But this, this series, I'm going to challenge you, bring your Bible with you, especially next week. I want to ask you to bring your Bible with you, and, and I, we'll get into that more next week. Okay, so here's the question I want to start out with. What was going on in Joshua's life that would cause God 
to come and say to him multiple times, you don't have to be afraid. You can be strong and you can be courageous and I'm going with you. What was going on in his life? So um, it's always good to get some good context of what we're reading, right? It helps us understand what the original recipients of letters like this would have understood. So, so to understand what's going on in Joshua's life, we kind of have to go back one book and, and look at a guy by the name of Moses. Now, if you've never been in church, there's a good chance you've heard of Moses. If you have been in church, you probably know a whole bunch about Moses. Moses was the guy that got the nation of Israel out of 400 years of slavery. You remember that? And then God miraculously parted the Red Sea and the whole nation of Israel went through the Red Sea. And then the most powerful army on the planet, the Egyptians were coming to get them and they come into the Red Sea and God closes up the water, destroys them. And now the nation of Israel for the first time in 400 years is a free nation on the other side of the Red Sea. And Moses is the leader and he's an amazing leader. Well, Moses dies and that's going to be a real blow to Joshua and a whole bunch of people in the nation of Israel because he wasn't just a leader for someone like Joshua. He was who he did life with. Joshua, who we're going to study, was Moses' right-hand man, was Moses' aide. They walked together, talked together, had meals together, did life together, prayed together, went through highs and lows in life together. And you have people like that in your life probably. You, it hurts you. When they hurt, you hurt. When they go through tragedy, you feel like you go through it with them. If someone like that in your life passes away, it's crazy, right? And, and that's what Joshua was going through. Moses just died. And so now Joshua is going to be in mourning Deuteronomy 34.8 says this, The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. So for a month, they've been weeping and mourning the loss of their leader and their loved one. And now God shows up. And now God says, I'm about to do something new in your life. I'm about to take you somewhere that you've never been before in your life. And I thought that's, that's a consistent theme all throughout the Bible. We see people all throughout the Bible go through some of their worst times, some of their lowest lows, through all kinds of hurt and confusion and tragedy and pain. And we talked about it last week. Sometimes for them it would have felt like this has got to be the end of my story. But then God steps in and he says it's not the end of your story. In fact, it's the beginning of the best part of your story. Remember that? And that's what Joshua is going to live through. He's in complete mourning, complete pain, complete heartache. And God steps in and he says, this is not the end of your story. This is going to be the beginning of some of the best parts of your story. Let's read Joshua 1, 1 through 9, and then we'll end with the, our theme verse for the series. Let's read. I'm going to go right over here. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then. See, it's not the end of your story. It's just the beginning. Now then. You and all these people, get ready. That's the title of today's message. If you're looking for this later, get ready. Tell your neighbor, say, get ready. Get ready. Oh, say it like you mean it. Get ready. 
This has been a little better, I suppose. <laughs> Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. We're going to come back to that. I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you. Some of you need to let the word of God actually speak to your life and your situation right now. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, some of you need to hear this, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And no matter what you go through, you can be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. No matter what life has presented you with, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. We're going to talk about that next week. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Red Rocks Church, can we make some noise? That's fearless talk right there. And that's for us today. Get ready. Let's zoom in on verse 3. I told you we'd come back to it. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. What I want you to take note of there is there's an order of events. There's a process that God's talking to Joshua about. There's an order that things are going to happen. Notice he says, when do you receive the promise? Once you set your foot there, not before. You set your foot there, then you receive the promise. You take a step, then you see my plan. You trust me, you risk trusting me, you take a step of faith, you put your foot where I'm telling you to go, even though it won't make sense, and that's when you start to experience the miraculous. Notice, though, the action on their part comes before the miraculous. God says, you do the obeying, I'll do the miraculous, but your part comes first. You got to put in the work. It's going to be difficult. As we get in more into their story, you're going to see it's going to be difficult. It's going to be risky. It's going to be scary. It's going to be a grind. They're going to have to do some things first. They're going to have to step first if they want to see what God has in store for them. And as I'm reading this this week, I was kind of like, I get it, but why? And not necessarily for us. I was, I was almost feeling defensive for the, these people in the, in, in the story. Like, because I'm like, like, they've been through it. They've been wandering around for 40 years chasing this promise. Their leader and loved one just died. They've been crying for a month, like throw them a bone, God. You know what I mean? Like, why do you got to make them do this work and this grind and this risk and this trust and all this stuff? Like, just give it to them. You've been promising it to them for a long time. That's what I'm thinking. 
Then I kept reading and I saw something in chapter three that I've just never noticed before. And it made me start to go, oh, okay. I'd never noticed this. Well, look at this, Joshua 3, 4. Then you will know which way to go. He's given him some instructions. But then he says this. Here's the part that jumped out at me. Since you've never been this way before. See, where God was taking them, they'd never been before. They hadn't experienced before. They had no idea what God had in store for them. They hadn't been there yet. See, they thought they were just crossing a river, getting the promised land. As you start reading the book of Joshua, you'll see that that's not what God had in mind. They weren't just crossing a river. They were crossing a river, and then they were going to fight 31 battles to take hold of the promise that God had given them. So see, God knew that they needed more strength than they realized that they would need. God knew, I can't let you just step across the river. I need you stronger. I need your faith built up. I need you to have more courage. I need you to work on your humility. I need you to trust me more than you do right now because the strength you are um, acquiring on this side of the river is going to allow you to take hold of the promise on this side of the river. I can't just give you this one. I can't just let you walk across. You need the grind. I know it seems tough, and I know it's hard, and I know it feels like a fight. I got I to gotta get you in the fight. I got to build your strength, or you'll get to the other side of the river, and you won't have what it takes to go through 31 battles. You'll never be able to take hold of my promises on this side if you're unwilling to go through the grind on this side. And I think that's so true for some of us today. We feel like God's not paying attention and nothing's working out and right now it's a fight and right now it's a grind and right now it's risky and right now nothing makes sense. And I can't help but think that for some of us, God's building our strength. He's building our courage. He's building our faith. So when we get to the other side of the river, we're actually strong enough to take hold of the calling he has for us. But sometimes you got to go through the grind, right? And I was trying to think of a really good analogy because I think in pictures, and oddly enough, videos, I think. And um, so I was trying to think of like, what's, what's a mental picture that, that we can sort of leave with today so we can sort of just remember this better. And I was trying to think of something real manly. So I first obviously went to the Broncos and I was trying to think of like a football analogy. And then I went to MMA and then oddly enough, NASCAR. And, and I thought even like a lumberjack will work, like just something with some testosterone behind it, all I could come up with was a butterfly. <laughs> I'm not happy about it. It just works, okay? So I'm going to share it with you. Because, <laughs> see, uh, oddly enough, a butterfly understands that there's a process and that there's an order of events and that that order of events is actually what allows you to take hold of what God has in store for you. A, a butterfly understands the grind. I know it sounds crazy, but most of you already know this, I'm sure, but right before a butterfly breaks out of its cocoon and actually takes flight and experiences what God has in mind for it, there's a grind, there's a fight, there's a battle. See, the butterfly thinks, it's, he thinks he's ready to fly. He thinks he's ready to go, but he's not. And so he's got to break out of the cocoon. And, and, and so he starts fighting against it. And he starts battling against it. 
and he starts grinding against it. And the whole time, his wings are getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And by the time he actually has the strength to break out of the shell, now his wings are strong enough that he can actually fly and he gets to experience what God had in store for him. But see, if God, God knows, I can't, just, I can't just crack it open for you and give it to you because the grind is what gave you the strength to fly. If I just crack it open for you and make it easy, you won't be strong enough to fly and you'll probably fall out and die. It's the fight that made its, its realizing its purpose possible. It's the grind that built up his strength to take hold of the plans God actually has. See, and that's how it is for us, and that's how it was for them. God says, I need you to grind because I'm preparing you for things that you don't even know about yet. You're not in a stalemate. I am paying attention. You're not just stuck. You haven't been forgotten. I'm building your strength. I'm building your faith. I'm building your humility. I'm building your trust in me because I got plans for you that you don't even know about yet. So embrace the grind. So tell your neighbor, say, embrace the grind. <laughs> Let's say hypothetically you go, okay, I think that's where I'm at right now. And I know for a, for a bunch of you, that would be true. You say, that's where I feel like I'm at. Like I'm in it and I'm fighting, but it's not easy. But okay, I want what God has in store for me. How do I begin to grind? How do I begin to trust? How do I begin to fight? What's it look like to take a step? Because it sounds cool to say take the step first in church, but what's that mean for me this week, right? I think we get a real clear picture of a good place for us to start in Joshua 3. It says this, then you will know which way to go. We've already read this. Since you have never been this way before, I'm going to take you places you haven't been. Then he's given some more instruction, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. And here it is. Joshua told the people, because God's taken us somewhere that we've never been before, here's where we start. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And I believe he would say the same thing to us. I want to take you somewhere in your finances that you haven't been before. I want to take you somewhere in your relationships, in your career that you haven't been before. I want to take you somewhere in that sense of purpose that you've been so desperately trying to find that you just haven't got before. I want to take you somewhere in your relationship with me that you haven't been before. Okay, God, so where do we start? Consecrate. Consecrate yourself today because I got amazing in store for you tomorrow. And he starts to teach Joshua, and I believe us today, that when we start consecrating, he starts doing the amazing. Those two go hand in hand. That word consecrate means this, to make or declare sacred, set apart or dedicate to the servant's service of deity. For me, if I'm going to consecrate myself, I'm going to start looking at, at all different compartments of my life, and I'm going to ask some tough questions. Is that part of my life set apart, dedicated to God? Or is it still all about me and my limited understanding of what's best for me? When it comes to my finances, have I dedicated them to God or am I still being disobedient with something I know he's calling me to? When it comes to my relationships, have I dedicated those to God or am I still 
when it comes to that dream in my heart, when it comes to my career, when it comes to what I'm hoping for and praying for, is it still all about me or have I said, no, God, this is about not building my kingdom, building your kingdom. I take this dream and I dedicate it to you. You help me use it to build your kingdom best. And for me, if I'm going to go through that process, usually two questions sort of rise to the top. And it's, is there an area that I need to repent? And is there an area that I need to trust? And I was talking with some of the leaders on staff here, and we were sort of almost giggling at the fact that, like, I don't even have to take it any further than that. Because the truth is, if you and I got real serious about those two questions, if we get real serious about... God, would you show me an area where I might need to repent to you or to someone else? Would you show me something that you're you're calling me to, to cut loose? Would you show me an area in my life where you've been calling me to take a step of faith and I just haven't? I bet you God will give you the answer to that question before you can finish asking it. He created communication. He's not playing games. When we honestly seek him and answers like that, I believe we get them like that. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What's the author of Hebrews saying right there? Sometimes we're here and we know we want to go there, but we've allowed ourselves to be chained to some sin that we've just refused to deal with. And it's saying the same thing right there. Sometimes you got to just get out the bolt cutters and get real serious and repent of some stuff and make some tough decisions and walk away from some stuff. Unchain yourself from this level so God can take us to this one. That's a tough choice, though. That's, that's, that's stuff only I can do for me and only you can do for you. And so I just want to challenge you to begin asking that question, God, is there something I need to cut loose so I can go from this level to the next? And then the second question is, God, is there an area in my life where I just need to start trusting you? Like I know in my heart already, you've just been calling me to some stuff. You've been calling me to start doing something. You've been calling me, calling me to, to make that call, to reach out to that person, to help that person, to whatever it is. It looks different for all of us, all different times. I feel like, I feel like God's constantly been showing me like over and over and over in my life because I'm, I'm like some of you, I'm so stubborn and sometimes I feel like God's calling me to do something and I, I got a hundred reasons why it doesn't make sense and, and I shouldn't really do it now. I should just pray about it for a while and you know what I mean? Like, you know the game and... <laughs> I was thinking about this this week, like if I told my son to clean off the kitchen table and he told me he's going to wait for peace, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Come on, church people, you know the game. Sometimes we need to just act on what God's already put in our heart to do, don't we? And for me, it's like I, I could bore you all day long with stories of how like I've just been stubborn and stubborn and stubborn and then I finally did what I felt like God was calling me to do in the moment and oftentimes it feels real insignificant and then it leads to things and later you look back and you go, I had no idea. That's why he asked me to do that and look what it led to, right? Every financial miracle, I was thinking about this, um, me and my wife have had some crazy financial miracles happen in our lives over 19 years 
And I was thinking about him this week and every single one of them, I could point back to a financial thing that God had called us to do. Some of them big, some of them small. And then after we obeyed, we started to see miraculous things happen. And I feel like that's so many areas of my life. For me, it's been, it's my whole, like what I do for a living and where I do it. I was thinking about this. The only reason I get to be a part of Red Rock's church, this is God's church. He was going to build his church whether I was here or not. The only reason I get to be a part of it is because one day I stopped being stubborn and stopped ignoring that just inner urging from God to step in some directions. And the truth is, man, it felt so insignificant. I was driving around Denver one day with BZ and we were looking for a place to start a church and we were looking in all the coolest spots around downtown and Chad called and he's like, hey man, my brother is starting a a ministry. I don't know if it's going to be a church or not, but it's in a theme park. And I went, I'm so sorry, Chad, your phone's breaking up. (laughs) I thought you said theme park. (laughs) He's like, yeah, it's crazy. I know you should just go say hi to him. You should go encourage him. I bet he could use it. And honestly, I hung up and I was like, no. I'm not going to a theme park. I don't got time. I'm only here for a few days. I'm not going to a theme park. And I I had this just like, you know, you get that sense that like when God's just calling you to do something, it felt so insignificant and it felt honestly like annoying. I don't have time. I I couldn't get over it. I was like, BZ, we gotta go. Let's go. Let's drive up there. And I thought I'm just going up to encourage a guy working in the back of a theme park, which would technically make him a carny. God's going to love that. <laughs> I guess all of us at Heritage Square were technically carnies at one point. So I, I stay focused. Um, but I had no idea what God was going to do. I had no idea I was going to partner with a guy that I had maybe met twice in my life. I had no idea that I was going to get to be a part of helping start a church. Like I had no clue, but it was this like insignificant moment of just obedience that led to it. Or I don't, I miss out on the whole deal. You know what I mean? And I was thinking about like, talk about being obedient and watching God do the miraculous. I know that this is God's church and he is building this church, but he has done so on the backs of some people like Scott and Lori Brugman who decided to take steps of obedience a long time ago. And and see, Scott was doing really well in ministry and they were very comfortable and had a great job and all kinds of opportunities for advancement. And he felt this inner urging to like quit his job, move his family into his parents' basement, start pouring concrete on, on all week long so that he could make calls on the weekend and ask for people to give to a dream he had in his heart that he was calling Red Rocks Church. And because Scott and Lori and Drew and Maya and Brock because they were willing to, to go, God, I, this doesn't even make sense, but I'll just take a step. You want to talk about miraculous. Like church, what we get to be a part of, it's not normal. You got to know that. 2,000 people have given their life to Jesus this year. 900 people got baptized last month. Like it's crazy. And I look back and I see things like the Brugman family taking a risk and a step of faith. And then you look at the miraculous. But that's true for all of us. That's how it works. When we start obeying his commands, then we start experiencing his plans. That's the order. We step, then the miraculous. Band, would you guys come on out? I'm going to end with one last story. I was talking with my nine-year-old son this week. Very deep conversation. 
And, uh, you know, football season is upon us, church. Is somebody excited about football season being upon us? I know you're interceding for the Broncos on a consistent basis. It's a crucial time for us right now as we prepare for battle. So anyways, I'm talking with my son, and his football season is starting, and he's, he just keeps growing, so he's outgrown his football pants. So he's like, Dad, will you please take me? We've got to go get football pants at, at this place where the team's got the pants. And I was like, of course, let's go do that. And then his coach sent me an email reminding me that I'm one of the only people who haven't yet. So let's just go do that. So I said to my son, I said, son, put your socks on so we can go. I go upstairs. I'm getting ready to go, and I hear from the bottom of the stairs, Dad, let's go. And I'm thinking, oh, no, you do not. I hear him stomping his foot. Dad, I'm tired of waiting. Let's go. <laughs> oh, he's like his mother, isn't he? <laughs> Babe, you know I'm kidding. I come downstairs. He's yelling at me. Let's go. I'm sick of waiting. Let's go. I come downstairs. I look at my son. You think he has socks on? No, he's got flip-flops on. I said, I told you to put socks on. He goes, I don't need socks for getting football pants. Let's go. I'm tired of waiting. He's got an attitude, this little one. See, he didn't do what I asked him to do because to him it felt insignificant. You know why it felt insignificant? Same reason sometimes we feel like God's calling us to do something and it feels insignificant and we don't do it because he didn't know the plans I actually had for him. See, I knew that after football pants, I was going to take him to do one of the things that he loves most. I was going to take him to Dick's Sporting Goods and let him pick out a new pair of football cleats, which is a heavenly moment for him. You can't get new cleats without socks. See, he didn't obey because he didn't know the plans I actually had for him. And the whole time he's yelling at me, Dad, I'm tired of waiting. The truth is, I walked down the stairs and I said, no, son, you've got it all wrong. You're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. Because I knew where I was going to take him. And I knew I couldn't take him there till he put on socks. And, I, and honestly... I'm thinking about it this week, and I'm like, this is us and God. How many times have you told everybody in your life, I'm just waiting on God. I'm waiting for them to open up the door. I'm waiting for the opportunity. I'm waiting on God. And then we go into our prayer times. God, why haven't you? And I'm so tired of waiting. You're not doing anything. And I can't help but think for some of us. Is it possible that right now the creator of the universe is looking back at some of us going, no, 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 son, daughter, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. See, there's some things I've already asked you to take care of, but you haven't done them yet. You haven't done them because, see, you don't fully understand where I'm about to take you, but I can't take you there. Till you take care of what I've already asked you to do. You're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. Is that possible? So here's what we do. We say, that's not going to be me. 
because I'm going to consecrate myself because I know that amazing is in my future. So I'm going to ask the tough questions here and now. Is there something I need to cut loose? Is there some sin I need to repent of? Are there some chains that I need to cut so that God can actually take me to the next level? Is there a step of faith right here at this level? Is he asking me to be faithful where I'm at and I haven't done it yet? Is he asking me to humble myself where I'm at and I still haven't done it? Is he asking me to take a step and risk trusting him on something that's really tough for me to let loose of and really tough for me to trust him with? Because here's what we know. We start consecrating. God starts doing amazing. We start doing the consecrating. God starts doing the amazing. But church, look, our step comes first. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you're with us right now in this moment. I thank you that you have a plan and purpose for every single person hearing this, watching this, in this room right now. God, there are so many people right now just in this one church family who feel stuck, who feel like you're not paying attention, who feel like they're in a season where nothing makes sense and the future isn't happening like it's supposed to. And I pray right now for a supernatural peace and a supernatural confidence. I pray right now that you would give us the courage to ask some tough questions. I pray, God, if there's areas where we need to repent, you'd give us the courage to start repenting. If there's areas we need to take a step of faith, I pray you give us the courage to take that step of faith. And I pray, God, you give us this newfound sense of hope and confidence, knowing that you're right here with us, that you'll never leave us, and that you've asked us to do some things, not for your benefit, but ours. And I pray you give us the strength and the courage to do them, to take the step of faith you're calling us to take so that we can step into the future that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name. And everybody at every campus said, amen. amen. Red Rocks Church, would you guys stand up at every location? Let's worship.